Welcome to another episode of Dads with Nerdy Ambitions, the podcast that brings nerd culture and pop culture together in the 21st century. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and joining me today again is David Perry, my almost permanent co-host. Hello, uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> again. Again. I'm glad to have you back. Thank you so much. Uh, as well as I have been honored to be on their podcast, uh, Tabletop Journeys, and I am now have one of the hosts uh, on the show today. Lewanika Miller is going to be joining me today. Uh, welcome to the show, dude. How you doing? Hey, man. Thank you very much. I am so glad to be here. I've been excited about this and getting on this show for a while now, like since we first started talking months ago. Um, this is this is going to be a good time. This is a great thing. Now, answer me this. You don't do, do you do any of the editing or is that uh, Josh or Glenn that does that? Josh does all of the editing. Okay. The, my responsibility in the editing realm is a listen. To okay. um, as you can attest, being the editor, you're <laughs> editing for technical things. You don't necessarily yep. see how all the pieces and parts fit together. Mm-hmm. Did this flow match the actual conversation? So I tend to listen for that. And I'll catch the little things that get missed or, um, you know, those moments when you kind of drone out, it's going, it's doing its thing and you, you know, squirrel. And then you come back to it and you miss that little thing. Yeah. So the idea is at some point, either myself or Glenn doesn't uh, what I call an edit listen through. So we make sure everything is kind of clean. Nice. Um, so that, that's just kind of, that, that's my technical benefit to the team. Uh-huh. Other than that, I'm their comic book guy. Uh, I, so you're I'm, perfect for this episode. That that was the plan. Yes. <laughs> of, of the three of us, you picked the one who knows comic books. Best. <laughs> so, so briefly, give us a give our listeners a uh, tell us about tabletop journeys and you know entice them to listen to you because I do I strongly recommend listening to them, ladies and gentlemen. They are a, a fun podcast to listen to. Uh, anything I don't cover. They pretty much cover, and sometimes they cover things better than I do. Uh, they they definitely do a lot better on the Dungeons and Dragons stuff than I do. So, props to you guys. Yeah, thank you. We are a trio of friends who have known each other uh, for many, many, many years. As I said in earlier episodes, there's a lot of rings around the trunk of that tree, uh, more than we care to count it at most times. <laughs> um, but uh, we have uh, been friends. Uh, uh, we met through gaming, uh, Josh and I, uh, and I met Glenn through Boy Scouts and gaming because we used to game uh, tabletop games um, at, at well, on campouts. His dad, our scoutmaster at the time, was actually one of my early dungeon masters. Uh, so it's like I've met these friends largely and cemented these friendships through tabletop gaming. Uh, fast forward many, many years and uh, LARPs, tabletop games, all kinds of role playing. And we really um, just decided we needed to talk and we needed to talk the, the same conversations as just as we used to have on everybody's couch. If you invited all, any of us over, we would have these conversations uh, on your couch. Like we're sitting around, we're talking, we're watching the game. Sooner or later, we would devolve into or evolve into a tabletop uh, role-playing discussion at some point. So we decided, let's take it off the couch. Let's put it on the airwaves. Let the whole world see. (laughs) That's kind of the impetus behind this. You know, we just, we have a point of view that we thought uh, is good enough that people could gain something out of it. 
and we try to do that. There's a bit of education. There's a bit of learning on our part. We do mm -hmm. some things simply to learn from our audience members as well as from each other and uh, just start and generate conversations with people and grow this great uh, geek nerd community uh, that is out there in this world. Um, we just need to connect more as people in general and as geeks and nerds. Now that we are realizing that, hey, we run more of this planet than we know, uh, <laughs> let's get together and run it together by talking about it and finding the folks that we uh, like, that we associate with, that we um, relate to. Um, not, we don't even necessarily have to agree, but uh, as long as we relate to people and relate to experiences, we can talk about those things and have a great time doing it. That's awesome. I love the fact that you mentioned that you guys did it during like Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts and everything, uh, because I'm actually working with my sons, uh, a few of the kids from my son's uh, Cub Scouts, uh, <clears throat> and we're doing D&D &D. like they hear the podcast and they listen to other stuff and they're like, we want to play that. And I'm like, All right, let's do it. And even one of them actually won the starter set from uh, the, the newer starter set, the, yeah, uh, the Icewind Dale. Yeah, the essential essentials set. Kit. Yeah, yeah. So they won it from the pot from listening to the podcast. They were one of the random selects and they were looking through everything, excited to do it. Uh, we set up characters for them, gave them little minis. I actually made some like fake uh, hint map stuff. And so they're they're working with that and getting to play. So it's always nice to see that that that's something that's uh, continuing, especially yeah. to know that it was happening when you guys were kids. Yeah. When so we were kids. yeah, when we were kids years ago, it was happening not as openly as it is now no, right? no. and and then as we were teenagers it was a big thing but you know josh's son who's now in his 20s uh my oldest who's about to be in his 30s um and uh and even my youngest who's a teenager now they both you know they all game they do this thing that we do uh they're into these things my other older child who's in his 30s is actually in my living room, as I'm pointing towards the wall, <laughs> nobody can see other than the, the, the three of you, is currently um, re-watching Ant-Man and Wasp because he was confused by things in Black Widow and didn't realize he had missed some things. So I said, you got to go back to this. Did you see that? Yeah. No, I missed that movie. I'm like, okay. So we got him back to Ant-Man and Wasp. I said, and I gave him the watch order to watch these things in. So he's he's on a three movie binge tonight. Then he's going to hit the uh, Disney Plus series uh, starting tomorrow, and he's going to get caught up. So oh that boy, you sent him to so that Black Widow. Is, oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> it is what, not. What game did you? Sorry, what, what game did you start playing when you were? What was your first role playing tabletop game? My first role playing tabletop game was definitely Dungeons and Dragons, and it was the basic Red Box. It was Red. Okay. Yeah, actually, well, I stand corrected. It was a homebrew. It was in a troop, and there was a quick homebrew adventure that was done, and that lasted maybe an hour and a half, and then I didn't play for two years. I moved out of that town, moved to a new town, and then I started playing the Red Box with some friends uh, shortly thereafter, and it went from there. And then in my troop, when I mentioned that I had played it a couple times, that's when Glenn's dad is like, oh, yeah, we play, and then we started playing at the, at the camp out. So it, it truly started with D and D. So did you do the full progression red box to AD and D to second edition and so on? Or did you, did you branch into other games too? So I did red box, second edition, star frontiers. Okay. Holy uh, cow. Star frontiers. There's a spy game that we did <laughs> back in the day. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, I did FASA Star Trek at some point in that time frame. Uh-huh. Did okay. Battletech, switched yep. over to Palladium, Steve Jackson's GURPS. Uh, by the time I got to college, I was doing, I was running a D&D game. I was running a Palladium game that went into Ninja Super Spies, Rifts, uh, and Recon. Uh, I had also at that point started LARPing. So I was doing Vampire the Masquerade. Um, at a certain point, I just started playing every tabletop game I could possibly imagine and every role-playing game I could possibly imagine. Um, did you get into because- tabletop war games? The, the miniature war games? So I did watch a lot of uh, Warhammer and Warhammer 40K. Uh, I, we talk on the show a lot uh, about uh, a good friend of mine, Benito, uh, at, at, uh, at uh, Spectre Studios. Uh, he actually is my DM for a live stream game I play in. He was all into Warhammer 40K, and he had armies and armies and armies. And so while I didn't play, I watched. Uh, I did field a neck um, a Necromunda team, and then uh, what's that football game? Blood Bowl. Blood Bowl. I I I had a Goblin uh, uh, Blood Bowl team that I played, painted and played at one point in time because he, he loved the Dark El- the El- Dark Eldar there for for that game, uh, and then he had an undead team that was just stupid. Like it was like if you field them, it's like don't even play, just just don't. See, I'm gonna have to get you playing Blood Bowl again. I've got all the teams. That's such a fun game. It is. It, it you know I loved it because it was it was the perfect palate cleanser. Like we'd be playing this great epic D and D Ravenloft campaign. And we'd be playing it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then like a bunch of us would get together and it's like, eh, let's, you know, somebody couldn't show up or whatever. And it's like, let's not ruin the story. Let's do something else. And it's like, we'll just play some blood bowl. And we, we do that. And then those teams and those records we'd save till the next time we did it. So while it was ongoing, it wasn't uh, something that was um, that was immediate and, and always on kind of thing. So it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and I always enjoyed those kinds of games. Um, now I'm gonna make take you down the path of nostalgia here since we're talking about our first games. I have it my actual one up here. Hero Quest. Do you guys remember playing Hero Quest? That's you never played Hero Quest, David? I'm th- I'm thinking that's the one. It was a regular boxing, like you get it was a box game. game. It was it was a box and it game. had that barbarian like guy yep. that had like one arm art stretch, and he's like it that. was Games Workshop's first project that they did. And so it's got the, if you actually look at the box cover, you can tell the Chaos Sorcerer looks like old school Chaos Space Marines. The orcs look like orcs that were old school. Uh, goblins and undead. It's all done in the, it's all done by the uh, GW's art. And yeah. they actually did all the models for all that. Uh, they're re-releasing this game, but because GW doesn't work, you know, just do that anymore. They had to remake all the pieces. And yeah. so they they took out some stuff because uh, GW owns certain rights to certain characters and everything. Yeah. Uh, but it's I I've got that on order. I think I ordered pre. It was up for pre order like two years ago to order yeah. this thing. So, but yeah, that was my first into <laughs> nerd fandom was Hero Quest. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We are as much <laughs> as I, I look. I, I say this on every episode. There will always be tangents. Yep. I love doing tangents. They're absolutely great. Uh, however, 
My episodes do have a title, and we do occasionally have to talk about the subject. Uh, every so, now and then. Every, every now, now and then. Yeah, yeah. No, I start now. <laughs> well, the beauty, the beautiful thing about that is when you say uh, there's always going to be tangents. That was like the only part of trigonometry that I actually understood well. <laughs> <laughs> like I got the concept of tangent. Oh yeah. Um, Not much so, else, but I got that one. <laughs> so this one, I, we're talking about. We're going to be talking about two. We're going to talk about briefly about a movie, and then we're going to talk about uh, a series on Disney Plus. We're going to talk about. Black Widow and Loki. So listeners, if you haven't seen one or the other, make sure to pause at certain parts and go to the other. I highly recommend watching it all though. Um, so we're going to talk about Black Widow first. Um, let's talk about this movie on your, like your, just briefly your uh, first opinion about this movie. Now I've seen it twice. David, you've seen it once. Uh, Luminica, I saw it you theater. You saw it in theater. I saw it on Disney Plus twice. Lee Winnicke, you saw it at home. Yep. And I you saw it last night. Yeah. So you night. have the you have the freshest opinion out I have of all of the us. Freshest mind on, on this movie. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the movie. I okay. really liked it. Um, I am a bit of an anomaly when it comes to MCU movies. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the movies in my top 10 is one of the movies many people rank in their bottom 10. Uh um, and not for reasons that relate to Black Widow, other than to say I view movies slightly differently than many people. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I always give people unique ways to think about things. Uh, but one of my absolute favorite MCU movies, my number one MCU movie, has been since the day I saw it. Don't say Dark World. Captain America Winter Soldier. Number one MCU That's movie. That's not that bad. Yeah. That's not that bad. It's I thought the, you were going to say dark. I thought you were going to no, say that. No, no, no. No, but the other one I was talking about was the first Thor movie. But. The first Thor wasn't bad. It was just his eyebrows. That's what was wrong with that movie. His yeah. eyebrows were bad. Yeah. Um, so they were blonde. They were blonde. Yeah. It was weird. It was weird. Uh, I can say about Black Widow that what I really liked about it were a lot of the same things I liked about Winter Soldier that is very different than most superhero movies. It's a spy thriller. It's death. It, mm -hmm. is not a, it is not a four-color comic book superhero movie. Right. While it fits in a four-color comic book superhero movie universe, it in and of itself is not. If you took MCU out of this, this could have been any other action movie spy yes. thriller, and it would have been awesome. It's only if you view it in the lens of a superhero movie that I think problems really come out with this movie. And so, there aren't many. I just I, think of it as a different kind of movie. And it happens to be one of my favorite genres. I, I, I agree and I disagree with you. I agree they did try to make a spy thriller. I would have appreciated it more on that concept if they focus more on it. But they also they I feel like they try to do a hybrid between an action movie like their typical stereotypical Marvel movies and a spy thriller. And it didn't, it, it's, it's water and water and oil, you know, it, it didn't mix as well as it could have. Uh, I, I think they tried a little too much with the super on that side. I see where you're going with that. And I agree yeah. on that concept. Uh, that being said, I, it took me twice watching the movie. The second time I came around with it, I enjoyed it more. I liked the movie. I, 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 I out of 10, it went the first time I watched it around. I said it was a five. This time it's moved up to a 6.5 in my mind. 
it's not their best. It's not their worst. It's it, it didn't it didn't bring a lot to the table the original time I saw it. It kind of did some stuff to my some characters and we'll, and we'll get to it in a second. But like I said, my overall opinion, it, it, it tried to mix things that sh- I don't think mixed as well as it could have. Well, it it was five years too late. I mean that that was my that was my initial impression of it because it takes place between uh, Winter Soldier. It takes place between Civil War and Infinity War, hmm. right? Because she she starts the movie at the beginning of the movie, uh, Black Widow's on the run from Shield because that you know they just had that thing go down in in Germany, and the my problem with the movie is because you know how her story ends in Endgame, there are no stakes for Scarlett Johansson, for 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 Natasha Romanoff. You know that you know how it ends. It's it's like what we talked about in the Solo movie. When yeah. you go to the solo movie, you know how Han Solo, you, you know that Han's not dying and Chewie's not dying and Lando and all that. So same thing in this movie. So what the function of this movie is, is to, to mark some places on the roadmap and to drop some markers for things that come that, that are going to pay off later. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's setting up Yelena Belova as the new Black Widow. And whether that's for Young Avengers or, you know, some of the other projects, which we're going to talk about, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So if it had come out five years ago or sometime sometime in that intervening uh, period. Anytime before Endgame would have been would have been fine. Yes, because my initial rating on it was five was five and a half Mm -hmm. that uh, on a scale of 10. My initial rating is, is five and a half. But if it had come out three years, four years, five years ago, because it's set in 2016. Right, just on the on the Marvel timeline, it's set in 2016. If it had come out timely, then I think I would have rated it six and a half. I mean, it's it's not the greatest movie in in the MCU pantheon, but it's also clearly not the worst. I mean, it's not it's not Iron Man three or it's not you know Thor two or any of the any of the consensus bad MCU movies, but it's but like you were talking about and you can make an argument the reason why it didn't seem like a superhero movie is because black widow is not a superhero it's true and yeah. they but they they try i feel like they were trying to do her super but she's you know, not a super and she, it, she's it, not but they were trying to give her a good movie to set up the character because the the problem with the mcu black widow character is it has very problematic origins because it's when she's introduced in Iron Man two, she's that sex pot in a in a in a tight leather dress, and you know there's that gratuitous scene of her changing in the back of the limo as they're going to visit Justin Hammer's facility, completely unnecessary. And then so then they have to un. My- Part of it is they're undoing a lot of that. They're giving her substance. They're giving her a costume that is not a cat suit in heels, and they're doing and they're, they're like I said they're setting up some things down the road. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I view that I consider that scene that you're describing in, in Iron Man two to be no different than Carol Marcus changing in a shuttlecraft. Yes. What the hell, yes. dude? What 100%. the hell, dude? You are. 100%. I would like look, and I'm a red-blooded American male, and that's I get what they were trying for. But even watching it, I'm like, oh, when I watched that in Star in Star Trek, it was. Gene did not okay this, and <laughs> and, right. and, right. and and uh, and and you know for certain, Majel certainly didn't. But uh, no, but it, I'm, it, I'm but I'm watching Iron Man two, which 
for all the things I liked in Iron Man 2, there were problems I had with it, and those are largely it. Uh, Marvel gets a lot of flack for a lot of kudos for depictions of women, but they can also catch, and reasonably so, a lot of flack for depictions of women, and credit to them for trying to change that score. That's why this movie exists. This movie uh, exists to say we did it wrong and we're going to try to do it right. I think they did a great job of doing it right, but it it doesn't fit well because of its timing. I think Um, it also I think it also the, the one of the issues is, is we went in with the mentality that this was a Natasha Romanoff movie when in reality it's not. It's about Florence Pugh's character. It's about setting her up as the next Black Widow. And it is, she is a Black Widow. So in theory, they didn't mislead, but we went in with the mentality knowing, we went with that mentality that thinking this is going to be about Natasha Romanoff. This is going to be about, we didn't know where this took place in the timeline. because We knew it was a prequel though. Yes, we knew it was a prequel. We didn't know where it took place. It could have been an origin. It could have been a, a bunch of things. Uh, however, it wasn't really about her. It's about setting up Yelena. And it's and even in the end, we get to see in the, the end credits, we get to see her with, uh, I, I think we're all on the same page. She is, is it confirmed? She's Madam Hydra. I don't know if they confirmed. Uh, uh, they're not, they're not confirming Madam Hydra, but they are confirming her as, uh, Val. Valentine. Yes. Well, here, she's definitely Val. What yes. we don't know is what Val were, which Val we're going to get. That's true. Well, and we have had no and we have had a Madam Hydra technically in Agents of Shield, didn't we? I believe we did, but that is not MCU canon. That is not you know, just true. Non-MCU canon. So I wouldn't count that for this. <laughs> See, Steve, I sent you a message about this, you know, because you had talked in a previous episode about how Apple doesn't let their iPhones be used by villains. Yes. Okay. So in that scene where they're at the grave. And I don't know that there's a grave because, you know, Blackwood Natasha dies on Vormir. Anyway, so they're at the <laughs> grave and and Val is there. Oh, my God, the she iPad mini. That's what she you're has talking the picture, about. She has the picture of Hawkeye. Here's the person who's responsible for your sister's death. And it's on an iPad mini. So they say is, iPhones. They don't say anything about iPad. It's uh, well, I, is so, it? so here's where I'm going to give you guys a little truth nugget Uh-oh. from my previous work, work life. I used to work for Dell for Dell computers, right? So, uh, and in my work, uh, I worked for a company that con- that Dell contracted with. In my work with Dell, they did a lot of talking about different things, and this was back in the early two thousands. And Dell was adamant about where their products were shown and how they were shown. And Dell used to have because they used to have that kind of clout. That same clout, bad guys didn't use Dell computers. If you had a bad so guy, funny. they had they even if it was a Dell computer on screen, the logo couldn't be seen and you couldn't see anything that made it look like one of the Dell Inspirons or whatever. It had to look very different. Um, and that was very specific, very strategic. Um, and they were, uh, as I recall, they were fairly litigious about it when it snuck in things. Um, so I don't know Apple well because I worked for the competition. Um, but I would imagine that as high profile as the MCU is, they're on that poop. All right. So they're, they're, it, they're not going to let that slide. So it, it was in a folder. 
it wasn't a folder and it's actually the fun fact i have that exact folder it's 16 it was 16.99 on amazon it's the faux leather folder for it i looked at it like i have that one i, I <laughs> it's funny so it, you didn't see the apple logo it was the apple white it does it is an ipad mini it's an ipad mini but it doesn't show the apple logo I, i'm going to say that she will not my guess is Val will not be a bad guy in any more way than Thunderbolt Ross is or uh, that uh, John Walker is in that they did bad things. They were not the good guy, um, but they were not the big bad. They were not the villain of the story. They are, they are, they are. They they could be an antagonist, but not the villain. An antagonist or those who need to be changed or overcome or worked around, but they will not be the bad guy. I mean, we do Uh, have the multiverse, so, you know, there could be. Madam Hydra version of her. Who knows what yep. they'll do? Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I actually, I, I was actually looking forward to her having a bigger role because with all the hubbub about her showing up in Falcon and Winter Soldier first, and her first appearance was supposed to be in Black Widow. Right. I thought she was going to have a much bigger role. That was one of my few big letdowns with this film was the fact that she didn't have a much bigger role. Uh, her role here was about as significant as her role, actually less significant, I think, than her role in Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's true. Right, but the, but the other thing, you know, this was supposed to come out last year. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing. Black, the Black Widow movie was supposed to come out in May, May-ish, something. So it's been, so the pandemic threw off a lot of stuff, just like Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to be released before WandaVision. And we don't know when that ending credit was filmed. That could have been something new. They're like, okay, we've already well, released it. And uh, her and Falcon Winter Soldier, let's use this ending credit. They could have had an absolutely different one where maybe yeah. it was, uh, you know, we, Sam Sam was with the shield and looking at it and deciding what he was going to do with it. Yeah, there, there's, there's no telling how that was going to end originally versus now. What I did find interesting, uh, and I mentioned the fact that my older son is out watching movies in order, kind of showing him the order on Disney+. Plus. They plugged Black Widow in and they plugged in all the Marvel series in correct chronological order. Oh, yeah. So Loki is set back quite a bit. And then you have um, uh, WandaVision and then Falcon and Winter Soldier. So by Disney Plus, so what should in theory be canon at this point, um, you've got Falcon and Winter Soldier as being the newest in chronological order of all the shows, which is kind of... uh, Interesting and telling, like as we get more shows, uh, I will be looking to that to figure out how things fit as we come out of pandemic and we get back to things being in the correct order. So let's talk about uh, the well, not the main villain, but the 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 toughest of the villains. Let's talk about Taskmaster here real quickly. Uh, what were your guys overall thoughts of them? Um, I. I loved Taskmaster, the way the character moved, uh, the ominousness, the, the, the soundtrack that came whenever Taskmaster was on scene was just incredible. Um, like, this character was awesome. Uh, the fight scenes with Taskmaster were great. Uh, the mimicry that, that was going on. With the I liked how they perfect. came up, how they did that. That was yeah. neat. I mean, it was visually stunning. Uh, I love the story behind it. I have a bit of sadness about that because Taskmaster was a villain from Avengers comics uh, that I really, really liked historically. 
And the way Taskmaster is depicted in this film is by canon now different than the way it was in the comic books. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing, but it is certainly a different thing. Um, and I think this fits this story better. I think what I grew up with and read in comics would not work with the modern MCU. No. Uh, so I'm perfectly okay with this, but I also recognize that the fanboy in me that is still 12 years old sitting, you know, uh, crisscross applesauce on, the, on his bedroom floor, surrounded by a sea of comic books and some Legos on the top shelf. I'm calling out your episode from last week. <laughs> um, um, that that uh, misses what that might have looked like. Maybe I'll get a, a what if in, in, in this year or next year that would show that I, that would satisfy me. Um, you know, we all on some level just want to see our old comic book glory depicted in that I think way. it's far and few. Anybody gets, you know, what they have in their mind of what their super would look on uh, cinematography versus what it is in the comic. Um, I will say, I think I got extremely lucky with Deadpool being one of my favorite characters. Um, I'm curious to see Moon Knight because he's another one for me. Uh, Taskmaster, I was... I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but yeah, I was kind of disappointed, but it's in also in reality, how do you take an agent of shield who has to give up? I think that's what I liked about it because he was an agent of shield who had to lose memories to learn how to mimic somebody. And yeah. that's how he became who he was. And he lost his humanity. And I thought that was very impactful. I think this version of taskmaster was very interesting I liked where they brought it, but it was kind of predictable. We all kind of knew who it was going to be like when the mask came off. It was nobody was surprised. Like, David, what do you I mean, what was your opinion? Well, I I didn't read the Avengers back in the 80s, so I, I, I don't have any emotional attachment to the character. Um, I did. Like you said, I did think the reveal that that Antonia, that the Drakov's daughter was going to become Taskmaster. I think that was fairly predictable in a lot of ways. This movie kind of was that. But, you know, the other thing is this movie has paid off a lot of things uh, that, that were laid before. I mean, you remember that scene in the first Avengers movie where Loki and, and Natasha are going back and forth. And he mentions Drakov. Loki does at that point, yeah. you know, trying to provoke the reaction from uh from natasha and so this is something that just again just pays off down the road maybe intentionally yeah. or unintentionally but you know but but you know you were talking about you know what the, they marvel the mcu has to adapt the characters that have been in the canon and they're always going to do somebody dirty hmm. because as a fan and yeah. the x-men movies were that way the mcu they have taken characters and they have they have cannibalized storylines and you know again to go back to thanos in the comics thanos isn't doesn't have this noble purpose in a limit in half the universe he wants to sleep at the the personification Maybe. of death yeah. that's his entire motivation and and so they have they the mcu has a roadmap and they have a plan and they're going to adapt and cannibalize and bastardize all of the past stories to make it work for them. And that doesn't mean that your favorite character doesn't exist because it does. It exists in those comics from the night from the 80s or the 90s or, or whenever it is that you got into comics. Those stories still exist. It's you just have to view this as an alternate universe. You have to you have to view the origin story of of whatever that character is if it's different. Sometimes it's a big difference and sometimes it's a little different. You have to view that just as its own thing. You know, and you were talking about Deadpool. 
the first on-screen incarnation of Deadpool was awful, right? We can all agree with that, right? Terrible. Yes. Terrible. And, but but what you oh, then yeah, get yeah. is you then get Deadpool's biggest fan and Ryan Reynolds, who then has the money and the clout and all that to make Deadpool exactly the way that you would see him come onto the screen. But then in Deadpool 2, one of my favorite characters from, from the 90s in the comics is Cable. And the Cable origin story in Deadpool 2 is oh, much it's different. No it's nothing like the Cable origin story in the comics. And and it's okay because, you know, again, I have to compartmentalize that, that here's yeah. Scanny son and here's, you know, uh, Nathan Christopher Summers, the, you know, the child of Madeline Pryor and Scott Summers, blah, blah, blah. All that has to go out of the way when I watch Deadpool 2 and see Josh Brolin as Cable. And I think Josh Brolin was a good Cable. I think he was a good Cable. I, I absolutely agree with you, David. I think that everything you said is spot on. Um, I compartmentalize that. That's why I said while there were letdowns, I love this character of Taskmaster and the way it was depicted. Because I can say that was this thing and now I have this, this, this other thing. Um, interestingly enough, I did not like Deadpool on paper. Like that's actually a comic I didn't like. It was, it was a comic book I read while I owned a comic book store and was writing comic books that I, I basically read because if I didn't read the stories, I couldn't talk to customers about it. That you're was not, you're, you're, you're off the show. You're no longer. Right. longer. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice meeting you. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a blast. Get out. Get out. But, uh, <laughs> I did preface this earlier. I telegraphed by saying I'm a little bit different than most. Of you. you know, it's all right. I respect that. No, but, but yeah. interestingly enough, the only thing I've ever seen or watched that's made me like Deadpool is Ryan Reynolds movie. Like that made me did like you, Did you ever like, play the for, game? The Deadpool game uh, no. voiced by Nolan North? No. Uh, it's eh, it's an okay game, but it's it's definitely it brings in the voices, which is one of the so, things I liked. It's a weird idiosyncrasy for me with very few exceptions and those exceptions being The Mask and John Byrne's She-Hulk. I have never liked comic book characters breaking the fourth wall. It <sighs> weirds me out. Really? I, I don't know why I don't care for it. Um, it's why I didn't like the Ultimate Spider-Man animated show, uh, though my kids loved it. Uh, I don't like that. How uh, okay, Hulk, Boomer? Hulk Agents of Smash. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, I love one of the first first fourth wall breaking shows ever made, which is Parker Lewis Can't Lose from the '90s original Fox okay. programming. Absolutely love that show. So it's weird. Like sometimes I really like it, and sometimes I don't. Though I found. Most of the times I don't, uh, but whatever uh, Deadpool on film all in like that worked for me. Um, Cable, not a character I was a big fan of in, with the X-Men um, and yet Cable within Deadpool 2, I enjoyed. I enjoyed both those films immensely. Love those films. Uh, not a big fan of, uh, of Deadpool and X-Force when they first came out. Though I was a huge and am remain a huge X-Men and X-Factor fan, uh, just never really got into. Uh, I respect that. It, oh, everybody has their own flavor. You know, just wasn't just wasn't my jam at the time. Um, nostalgically, it's better than some things I read these days. So <laughs> fair enough. There you go. All, All right. right. <laughs> so let's let's wrap up thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, Black Widow here. I think it's safe to say Black Widow is. Basically, essentially, the origin stories uh, for Florence Pugh's character, uh, as I think 
if progressing eventually, I think into the young Avengers is the best way to look at this or as a potential black widow. Um, I think we're going to see, I would be disappointed if they didn't use more of taskmaster. Uh, but I know we have Hawkeye, the, uh, the movie coming out, uh, it's series. Yeah. Oh, it's a oh, series. That's right. Series. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, which having her in there, they're, I, I think they're, they're obviously they're bringing her into that. Uh, I, we eventually we have coming down the road. We have Ironheart. Uh, yeah. You know, his daughter is uh, uh, Hawkeye's daughter is being set up for the next Hawkeye. So yeah. I, I would be very shocked if we didn't see young Avengers coming down the road, I'm, maybe 23, 24. I'm going to guess 24, 25, but uh, I believe if we don't get a strong lead in after, I think they're going to be too old Wasp, by then to be young Avengers. They'll be like moderately young Avengers. Maybe. Um, I, but I, I, I picture we're going to get Scott Lang's daughter as stature. I think that's, that has been, they started that setup in Ant-Man two. I think they're going to continue that in three. Um, I think something is going to happen in, uh, um, uh, Doctor Strange 2 that's going to allow Wanda's kids to come back. Uh, so I think we are going to see a new Avengers at some point. At, at least a new uh, Avengers, if not young. Um, who, yeah. who are they going to get to replace Iron Man? Is it going to be Shuri? It's it's Ironheart. Ironheart? Yeah, yeah, they'll get Ironheart. Who, yeah. Harley? Oh, who no. who to actually play? You know who would be uh, really great? Riri, the, they already cast somebody for Riri. Oh, uh, yeah, that's already been cast. I can't remember the actress's name. Okay. But I believe that was already cast. But so she and you know who I would like to see actually get a suit. I can't remember the boy's name from Iron Man Three. Harley. But you sit. Yeah. Huh? Harley. 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 Harley was the uh, character's name. Yeah. Oh, the Harley's character. Okay, I was trying to think because he was at the he was at he was at the Star's end. Funeral. Yep, yeah. he was at the funeral. So he he could get a suit. Uh, they might bring him into Armor Wars because that's also coming out. Yeah, that is, is coming out too. And, and Don Chigley well, so. is, yep, is in that. So, I mean, it's it's set a path. Is it the best path? I've seen worse. Uh, like I said, I, I think, uh, Luanika, you were the one that enjoyed it the most out of all the three of us. Yep. Kudos to you. I'm glad you like it. Uh, so general consensus, would you recommend this movie to for people to go see in theaters or if they have Disney Plus, wait in the three months till it comes out for free? I think it largely depends on the type of fan you are. Okay. If you're the type of fan who's all into the Marvel Universe, pay the money to see this either in theaters or at home. Okay. I have a very large family. We don't get to do things all at once i have six kids um so for me buying it on disney plus and letting all of my kids watch it when they get a moment to between jobs works and life uh makes the most sense uh because we're not all going we're not all going to the movie theater at the same time you are the theater right and quite honestly dollars afternoon <laughs> exactly um you know and and, and so there, this makes financial sense for us okay. to do it this way so i think uh, if you're all into the MCU, spend the money, see it one way or the other. You're not going to be wrong. You're not going to feel you got cheated or robbed as long as you see it and you and, and you have the, the way to enjoy it. If you're a casual Marvel fan that watches the movies every so often, you probably haven't watched everything in order um, and you just enjoy some of the big temporal movies. 
or if you're a fan of spy thrillers but not really uh the superhero genre you'll get to see the movie when it when, when it becomes uh part of disney plus because you're getting it for something else if nothing else the mandalorian um you know you'll get around to it see it then end result see the movie right. but you have to do it in a way that makes sense for your life so that you're not disappointed Right. Well, and, and that's what Marvel has done. They, they've made each of their movies, even the ones that even even the Ant-Man's of the world, they, they've made them kind of essential that on some level you have to at least know what's going on, because otherwise you're kind of, where did this character come from? When, when did they drop that? You know, but, you know, you were saying, would you go to the theater? I went to see it in a theater, um, which was about 20 percent full. I mean, it was on a Thursday night at seven o'clock. It wasn't it wasn't the opening night. Um, but I like seeing Marvel movies in the theater. I like that theater experience. Um, but is it necessary to go to a theater for this? Probably not. Uh, especially like you were talking about If you, you know, if you're, if you've got a bunch of kids or you, you know, they have a slumber party and all the, all the neighborhood wants to come over and watch the movie and you pay, what is it? $30, 50 it's 30 bucks. Yeah. 30 bucks plus tax. Uh, honestly, I take two of my kids to a movie. I spend more of the movie theaters than I spent. What I sure. spent for all of us to watch it just now. That's, oh, yeah. that, that, that's just the reality. $30 is honestly the perfect price point. If yeah. I was watching it, just me, I probably would have gone to theater. I'm fully vaxxed. I'm not worried about right. going to a movie theater. Yeah. I would probably still wear a mask in a movie theater. Right. That's just me. But um, everybody, do what you feel is safe for you. Vax mask. Um, but you got to do, but for me, I, w- I would have seen this movie, Eric, because I am, when I say I'm all into the Marvel Universe, I am all in the MCU. Uh, there are so many things that they do well. Steve, you've seen me rant on uh, my my side page. No, you never rant. You I never- rant on my side page about <laughs> different things. So I am probably more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy, all, all, uh, all total of comics. But I rant about the fact that Marvel was smart. They have a unified vision. They have a guy with the clout and the power to make that vision a reality. And even when I slightly disagree with a particular decision or event, it's still a unified vision that works. And that in and of itself is powerful. That's what DC lacks. There's no one person with the vision. There's no one person with the clout. They're not making it all happen. So that's why you get four different Batmans possibly in a three-year span because no one's steering the ship. And none of those Batmans are wrong, and they all have an aspect of Batman from the comic books, but you're basically getting each director-specific Batman vision as opposed to a unified Batman vision. I, so, I wish the DC Universe did what MCU is doing and got a unified vision. It, it, they, that's, I, I'll agree with you there. I don't know if they need it on the director side because um, we've seen what Zack Snyder has done to the DC Universe, and an unpopular opinion here, I I'm sorry, I, I can't get behind Zack Snyder here. I know you guys might agree with me, but I know there is a ton of I catch, Zack Snyder fans. That's how you got the Snyder cut. Yeah, uh, but I, I think I got, they need somebody I got like, hate all day. I got, got hate all day for my thoughts on Snyderverse. They they need to get somebody who's like Kevin Foggy or John Favreau or uh Filoni. Oh my God. Yeah, Filoni. Filoni. Yeah, they well, need to get right. somebody on that that level and say, hey, not Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Right. Well, but that, but that's what the MCU has done from day one is they they did have a plan. They have a roadmap, and even though they bring in directors who have who have different visions and ha- take a different take on the MCU, you know whether it's Kenneth Branagh or um, 
Well, even Scarlett Johansson actually helped produce this yes. Black Widow. But yeah. Ryan Coogler directing Black Panther, and then you have Taika Waititi, and all of those movies have a different tone. Yep. But you know what? There's always somebody, there's somebody tapping them on the shoulder that says, oh, by the way, here's a list of things that you just have to drop into the movie. And Here's it can checklist. be an offhand comment. It can be something like that. We're going to introduce this character. It's something's going to happen. And yeah. then it's going to pay off two, three, four, five movies down the road. Yeah. So even though there is there, they allow their directors some level of freedom to make a different kind of movie. Because we, I mean, we can all agree that, that you know, Joss Whedon's Avengers and Ryden Coogler's Black Panther are two different movies and two different yeah interpretations of how the mcu works but they've still they still all fit into they fall in line when they have to and that's what they've done they've done it they've done that better than dc certainly better than dc and they've done it better than star wars at least yep. until dave filoni's come along and Fil i know we're not talking i mean they've about, even said that on star wars hey we, yeah, we should have yes. gone with a better plan yes yeah it's, it was very apparent there was no plan for the sequel trilogy, but thank God you have Dave Filoni who's been laying all these seeds. And I don't know if, I know we're not talking about the Bad Batch, but if you've been watching the Bad Batch, <laughs> yes. like, there are payoffs. There are payoffs now that go back to Rebels and go back to Clone Wars and you know the, the, the so-called Filoni-verse. And I'm sure that there are going to be payoffs in Ahsoka, in The Mandalorian, in yeah. you know, all of these other projects that they yeah. have coming down the road. We they, now they, Disney we found now, they were Yeah, uh, I apologize for cutting off. No, you it's my fault. <laughs> first of all, thank you for the for the Kenneth Brandon nod, my favorite one of my favorite all-time directors. Um, love him. Uh, 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 but you are absolutely correct. The payoffs that we're getting out of Bad Batch, which is the one worry I had that if I was too tired after watching Bad Batch. Uh, last night, I would not have the energy to watch Black Widow in time for this show. But fortunately, I was so jazzed after that awesome episode of Bad Batch. I had all the energy in the world. I could flip the script, hop on Black Widow, and be able to watch that film uh, last night. So it was fresh and uh, well-rested for today. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we have two franchises, two major movie and television empire franchises that are showing how to have a unified vision. And it begins with the right executive staff and production staff, i.e. Filoni and, and um, Favreau and Favreau. Favreau. Yeah. yeah, right. If you have them and them on the Star Wars side, you have a Feige on, the, on, on that side, side because they have both the clout, that means success that came before and returns, financial returns because that's all hollywood gives a damn about yes. is the finance they don't care about our creative properties yes they don't care about our intellectual properties they don't care about our social agendas what they care about is dollars and cents and yes. they're not even kidding around with cryptocurrency they want the real <laughs> green yes. baby and in order to have clout in that avenue that's what you have to come with and yep. that's what feige did success after success after success even the worst of those phase one films was still at least a moderate financial success. There was not a true dud in the Marvel films. There's Even, a this one has made over 60 million, I think. Yeah. Black Widow's ever made over yeah. 60 million, so they're good. There's they don't know what fail means. Right. 
and I would say that's what Filoni and that's what Favreau bring to Star Wars. And sooner or later, Warner Brothers will either sell their property to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, or they're going to find somebody who has a vision and success and clout. I don't care. Hire the guys that are behind the Fast and Furious movies. Make them do it. <laughs> I mean, they can turn what is effectively a race car trash movie into a nine film success story that quite honestly two spinoffs I'll, I'll watch with two spinoffs i'll watch that i'm okay I, i'm in the reason it's, a, it's so successful is because it's about family <laughs> and family wins Ride or die. Ride or die. <laughs> we, tangent number two, ladies Fiero. and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Tangent number two, baby. All right. So <laughs> let's get into our second subject here. Uh, Loki. Um, so Loki did so many things I was not expecting it to do. I, I won't say it had me as... Locked in as WandaVision did when it came out. But it did think it, it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. When I originally when I originally saw it, I thought it was going to be him drop, jumping through the multiverse of all the movies because that's the way it kind of looked like it looked like he was sitting on in a plane on the tarmac where the Civil War was about when the Avengers were fighting each other. He had him yeah. flying out of stuff. It had him looking like he was in areas that he was going to be jumping through the multiverse or, or all the movies, maybe fixing things or doing stuff. I had no idea what the hell was going on, what was going to be. What I got was an amazing movie that, or an amazing series that set us up for so much. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think we can all walk away saying our favorite character in this series was alligator loki prove me wrong you don't remember you didn't like alligator loki shut I, your mouth you are I, that's that I, is I, Owen two you're oh, okay. oh. no you gotta you gotta hear me out here <laughs> alligator loki is easily number two but i'm all about old man loki? loki old man loki oh my god Grant yes. was amazing i have never seen somebody so emotive and look cool doing it. I mean, it was like watching old school theater overacting, but somehow it fit. And when he was out there, tears down his eyes, and he's pulling forth, like drawing Asgard from nothing into the fabric of reality for this glorious purpose. I was with him. I'm sitting here <laughs> in the same desk I'm right now doing this. <laughs> so like right with him i it was like i was mesmerized by that scene mesmerized so, there's nothing about that character that i don't want to see again on film so when they were <laughs> when he was actually uh getting in costume and learning that he was playing old man or the classic loki the first thing he actually said to them is where's my muscles and the, the the directors and everything were like what do you mean he's like well everybody else in the super universe has muscles where's my muscles and he's like you don't need muscles you've got magic just use your magic and he's like yeah but i need muscles so it was it was a, it was a running awesome. gag about it yeah no but um so sorry not to cut you off but i just as soon as you were talking about him it made legitimately that's where my mind went to yeah. so i 10 out of he's, 10 he, love he's it. my number one there okay this fair show was great I, I can get behind that. um like you, uh, uh, I love this show. 
I had no idea what I was going to get. I had actually made the statement on our podcast because we did a 2021 preview for all the Marvel stuff on our show. And I had made the comment that this is the show that I have no idea what we're going to get. I expect it to be surprising. I expect it to be one of the best. Uh, But I have no idea what it's going to like. I wouldn't even hazard a guess. Like the only reason why I will probably win any prediction poll is because my prediction was I'm not going to predict. That's how that's how sideways I knew the series was going to go. The only thing I said is it's going to be awesome. Like I just knew that. And boy, was I right on that score. (laughs) I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, Ralph. Uh, David. Well, like you guys were saying, I mean, I, I, when I see some of these projects, I try not, I don't try to go in completely unspoiled, but I also try not, I don't go out of my way to look up and see what's going on or, or read any speculation ahead of time, just because, because I want to be surprised. I want to turn on the show, whether it's WandaVision or Falcon Winter Soldier or, or Loki or whatever. I want to come into that fresh, just with an open mind of where is this going? And then along the way, I just want to enjoy the ride. And once the ride's over, I'll look back on it and see where it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and like WandaVision, what I ex- the only thing I expected from the show is that it would f- somehow fit into the Marvel roadmap and that it would lay the seeds for things that they're going to have pay off later on. That, that was my sole expectation because that's what Marvel that's what Marvel has done on Disney plus now and I also appreciate that you know and, and we've talked about this with the past series that that uh, Disney plus has released uh, for Marvel is that I like the this kind of six hour block that they're getting these characters that it, in this case it was six episodes it was nine episodes with WandaVision it was six episodes with Falcon and the Winter Soldier but they have the opportunity to develop the character Loki, but also Sylvie, you know, and what are they setting Sylvie up to do down the road? You know, will we ever see any of the other president Loki or kid Loki or boastful Loki or any of those? Will we ever see any of them again? Alligator Loki, you know, um, I don't know. I would hope that we would see some of them, but what they're setting up is they're setting up, they're setting up Kang. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. They set him up. and so well right they had to introduce him because i think his next appearance is going to be ant-man and the wasp three and then dr strange right yeah he's he's going to be in quatromania which is his next appearance i don't know that kang shows up in in dr strange i'm not sure about that i would be shocked if he doesn't but he's going to be the phase four phase five big big bad right i mean we can all agree on that and uh, let's talk about who they got jonathan majors jonathan majors fabulous phenomenal good he was so clutch i mean just just his mannerisms like i'm seriously effing with you guys like (laughs) like like do you seriously think you're gonna get me but then at that point where it changes over and big spoilers but you already gave the spoiler warning yeah when he hits that point he goes well until now that was the threshold now i don't know what's gonna happen like he was willing to let whatever happened happen, but is like his whole mannerism changed. Like, I am not a professional actor. I don't even play one on on podcast, right? <laughs> I, I try my best to do things like this in my tabletop games, and I have several friends who are professional actors, and I am always amazed when somebody with 
can turn over in a moment. I don't mean like cut, come back to it a day later and have that different mindset, but I mean, mid sentence, just change. Like their whole facial structure goes from one outlook to a different one. That's really freaking cool. And that cannot be easy to do. That's why they're professionals. And I, as a fan of acting, of films, not just comic book films, but films in general, am always amazed by that. That turn from confidence, boastfulness, smugness to fear and trepidation, but I'm still going to be aloof. And it was all done with facial, facial actions and hand movements. He was my amazing. God, my God, that was good. And in the, his role from here, from looking in the, the, the you know last project that I saw him in was Lovecraft Country. And his acting different, he's very versatile. How he played it, he went from this very, I wouldn't say stoked, the very serious, you know, war vet, PTSD soldier to this happy-go-lucky, eating an apple, looking at you, just like, hey, guys, I knew you guys are coming. Let's go in here. Ah! And you're like, I don't know what's oh. going to happen now. Okay, so you here's your choices. And awesome actor. Yeah. Uh, and, and and then that wink when he dies. Yeah. See, you See you soon. Oh, 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 oh. oh that was in the was... multi in the, the the timeline splitting up and doing yeah. everything. We were oh. Can, like can we give a moment to talk about the score for this show? Um, Miss Holt, uh, I had the pleasure of listening to another podcast one of my pockets there with the marvelous madams i think i mentioned it to you steve mm -hmm. um they had an interview with miss holt which is which was an amazing interview um and she came on and talked about the scoring process how they did the whole score and she they did this interview after episode four and she talked about how the score was going to change and ramp up specifically for episode five and six and wow, she, she did not disappoint. It, um, there were this was a show that hit on every cylinder. We talked about Black Widow missing on a few key points and some things that kind of let us down ish, not disappointed, but not you could have done better. Like, it's like you, you, you got to see, you got yeah, to see, did, but you, we know you, you could have gotten a beat. You did all right. Um, this show, I can't think of a single thing they messed on with this show. Not one thing can I think they missed. Like they, everything I would want out of this show happened. And I, part of it is I went in not expecting anything. Like I didn't know what to think about it. So that helps. But man, they were so good. Uh, everything like the creepiness of Miss Minutes. Like oh. she was just pleasantly with Southern charm, creepiness, <laughs> extreme. You know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Wow. And uh, what was it? The characters they introduced, they, 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 there were so many Easter eggs in this that I didn't, now I, I will say, I didn't look for Easter eggs in this like I did for WandaVision because WandaVision, it was just Easter egg after Easter egg, Easter, Easter egg. And here there was a lot of Easter eggs, but I wasn't looking for them. Like Roxcon was in, was yeah. Rox Cart. Uh, we definitely get to see uh, uh, Renslayer, who is, yeah. you know, she, has it, yes, yeah. you have, um, they talk about the Nexus a lot. Uh, Limonika, you know about the Nexus. That, you, that, that is, who, who's at the center of the, the Nexus? Who protects the Nexus? Uh, uh, shoot. Am I going to stump you? You may have stumped me. It is the Beyonder? No. Nope. No. Okay. You got me. All those who know fear will burn at the sight of 
Man thing. Really? He's protecting the Nexus? He's the protector of the Nexus. Oh, okay. So that was not, I, I'm aware of Man Thing, but I was more of a Swamp Thing guy. Over okay, DC okay. Vertigo. All right. So All right. I did yep. not know Man that. Thing. Yep. Uh, yep. Man Thing is the guy that protects the Nexus. So we might get to see him. It might be something nonchalant. He might be just like this monster that's hulking around. I'm like, oh, there's Man Thing. Uh, yep. There was, um, I mean, in the episodes, we got to see uh, Thanos Chopper. The, the Thanos yeah. copter, we got to see uh, Frog Thor, we got to see um, uh, oh my god oh the Hornet's helmet giant, yeah. we got to see so many dis- variants, dystopians of like the, the Avengers yeah. Towers broken up and everything yeah uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it uh, and I think we totally cut you off David, we didn't get to get your opinion so my bad uh, David, what did you think of it? <laughs> well I I, overall, I thought it was very good. I, you know, and, and but like I said, I, I didn't really have any expectations other than just to see where it went. Um, I, did you guys think that there they had planned on more than one season for this? Because I mean, Wanda WandaVision is a one-off. There's not going to be another season of Wanda. Did they confirm that? I thought they said that's, yeah, they that's did. A, they did. I heard. I heard it was confirmed. I okay. have not independently verified that, but. You know, I and I don't know that they're going to continue with uh, with the uh, Bucky Barnes and uh, Sam Wilson uh, buddy cop series. I mean, they could leave that alone and just go on with the movies. But you know, but the end at the end of the after the credits, they the only the only end post credit thing is uh, Loki will be back in season two. You know, and and I don't know if that's something that might feel tacked on or if that's something that was in the plan from the beginning. Um, but either way, I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with the way it went. Uh, uh, I, I, they, they, they brought in, you know, the timekeepers and he who remains again, we were talking about old stories from the seventies, you know, they bring these, these folks in, um, you know, along with the TVA now from a cosplayer's perspective, I have ordered my TVA variant t-shirt and my Loki <laughs> horn. That's going to be my, my very casual, very easy, very lazy cosplay that I'm just going to wear whatever I don't feel like putting armor on. Is that, is that going to be your costume you wear at Dragon Con after you get out of your Mando suit? Yeah, and the beauty of that is any costume you already have, all you have to do is put the Loki horns on and you just doubled your number of cosplays. <laughs> you just made it canon. Yeah. <laughs> you're, now a, you're now Loki as a Mando variant. That, I like a- that. That's <laughs> it, Hey, you know what? Disney owns them both. So it's it's straight up canon there. Yeah, um, that's, that's a so, real thing. So there was one Easter egg I want to mention because nobody, I, I doubt many people understand this one. Uh, you, if you guys recall, there was a U.S. naval warship in the Eldridge. The, the Eldridge. Do you, are you familiar with the Eldridge? I am exceptionally familiar. Okay, the, so you know the the, 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 Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Experiment. Project. Yeah, is one of my all-time favorite movies. I must have watched that movie no less than forty-eight times uh, on TV back in the eighties. Now let's, and, and but, that's the movie with Michael Pere. Uh, that is a uh, real ship. That is a yes. real ship. We should let our listeners know the USS Eldridge is a real ship. It is a ship that disappeared. It was part of the Philadelphia experiment, which was it, 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 it depends on who you're listening to, who says it, it had to do with, you know, they were trying to do time travel or like do acceleration travel. Some people say time travel. Some people say various was, different things. Yeah. From my understanding, and I did have a what was built as a nonfiction book. Yeah. Um, whether it was or it wasn't really depends on who you talk to. But 
uh, and I did some research on this around the time that the movie came out, that it was a radar visibility test. Yes, it was. A, they, were, they were trying to do the the the, ra- the shield. And something went very wrong with it. People were hurt, harmed in some fashion. There are no, as far as I know, released legal details on what happened to people who were harmed. Uh, 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 and uh, the as far as I know, as far as I know, the ship is actually back, came back or whatever, but. It was a big old mess, and they made this great science fiction movie yes. in the 80s about it. One of my favorite films. I have redone the Elder story at tabletop games no less than six different times. That's awesome. It has been in riffs, it has been in Star Trek. I have had it show up in DD games. I have just <laughs> I love that story. I love that story. It feeds my creative heart. That story, and we got to see uh, the ship. We got to see and we it got in there. to see the ship, and wow, it was almost it was as good as uh, Loki as DB Cooper. <laughs> yes, oh my God, he was DB Cooper. I forgot Which, about that. Another story that I absolutely love have put into several role playing games has been a part of many of my favorite little known shows like uh, the uh, Nowhere Man, not Nowhere Man. Uh, there's a uh, there's a, uh, I can't think of the, the guy who played uh, uh, Varus in Rome. He he played this thing where he did some time travel stuff and he was D.B. Cooper in one episode. Uh, I, I think there was a Quantum Leap episode. Quantum Leap, with, yeah, that's the one I was going to say. There's a Quantum that's... Leap episode about it. I mean, it, it's, 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 such, a, it's such a great story. Uh, it was it was part of Prison Break, for crying out loud. It is the story that keeps on giving. Yeah, you know, It is that good. And uh, to have it now be part of the MCU... It's just, and, it's, it's, and a bet between Heimdall and Thor and Loki, no less. <laughs> uh, Owen Wilson's character, Owen Wilson in the MCU. Um, it's not who I thought he was going to be, uh, how he was going to portray his character. I think this actually broadened uh, Owen's uh, acting, like my, what I thought yeah. of him as a character, like his acting, because all I ever think of him is like something, some sort of insert wedding crashers variation or owner yeah yeah or he just sitting you know just sitting there going wow 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 that's what he's known for lightning mcqueen yes lightning mcqueen he even does it as lightning mcqueen so this was I, nice seeing him in this role and and seeing this variant yeah i really no pun intended him. yeah i love seeing him as uh mobius and i had made the comment early on that we are living in a golden age where we get to see both wilson brothers in comic book properties at the same time because luke uh plays stripesy in stargirl on dc cw oh Um, and i had made the comment uh talking about that show which is a fantastic superhero show uh that i really love luke's character there and i thought it was awesome and i was surprised Uh, of the two i would have thought luke came out better as the better actor um now having seen both of them do a season of a show uh i can tell you that i was flat wrong uh i was not right uh owen owns the screen when he's on it in comparison to luke and luke did a fantastic job like losing in that fight is not a bad thing um (laughs) Losing in that fight means you were better than a lot of other people on television today because I watch that show. There's a bunch of television I don't watch, right? And there's a bunch of television that I've watched one time. I still came back every episode for Stargirl. I'm going to be back for every episode of Loki. Uh, they're both phenomenal. Uh, it definitely has a high rewatch awesome. value. 
definitely has a high rewatch value. Um, I like Sylvie. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I get the whole point of the only person that Loki loves is himself and the kiss scene. It's kind of weird. However, I'm not going to lie. It's, it, it's already been done by Deadpool, but he took it to a whole new, he took it further, which was, yeah, yeah that, it was, it was, that was something thing. I like to go back to. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's canon. It's, but uh, yeah. Um, but it, I, I knew where it was going to go and I, I got the symbolism behind it. The only person he can love is himself. I thought it was very poetic how it was done. She can't trust anybody and he can never be trusted. Right. Yeah. And they I, did a really good job. I, I love the way they ended that because there was this weird creep factor with that for me. <laughs> Uh, um, like they're not brother and sister, but the last time I had a creep factor like that was on Game of Thrones when Daenerys yeah. kisses Jon Snow. You're like, like it would have been better if we didn't know and then found out. I could have got over it, but the fact that I knew ahead of time made it really, really wrong. I think we would have made that that face really. Like, oh my god! Like when you. Re- <laughs> Yeah. But, but it, uh, it kind of it kind of had to happen, and then it did. It be, did because you know at the end of the show. I mean, the question is: is is Loki changed? Is Sylvie changed? Right, because the Loki that appears in this show is the is the Loki right after the Battle of New York. It's not the Loki after Ragnarok lead, yeah. leading into uh, Infinity War, right? Yeah. So the question coming out of this is: Loki changed? Is Loki now trustworthy? Should he be? Can Sylvie trust anyone? And so at the end of this, you know, the, are the characters going to go their separate ways? Are they, are they right? They both believe they can each write their own destiny. And you see at the end of the show, you know, um, uh, Loki is running around uh, uh, TVA headquarters, which, by the way, those scenes were filmed at the Marriott in Atlanta, which is where Dragon Con is. Just shut so, up. Wow. Really? Oh, yeah. The, the, the atrium, you know, when you see the elevators coming down, that's the atrium of the Marriott in Atlanta. It's it's just this big, fabulous building. It's where DragonCon is going to be here in about six weeks. And then the, <laughs> all of those, the, the stacks in the library, all of those are, are on one of the upper floors. And you can you can kind of see the railings on the thing. Again, if you just get on the Google or if, or if you go to DragonCon, you can see it yourself. In the There's Marriott. going to be so many variants at DragonCon this oh. year. Oh, There's yes. going to be so many oh, now, yes. in- including yours truly. But but that's the question coming out of it. And and they kind of had to have that kiss. And and then the question is, where do those <laughs> characters go? What what happens? Can Sylvie now trust anyone? Because she's the one who stabs Loki in the back. You know, she, she doesn't kill him, but she opens the she opens the gate and she sends him through it. And then she you know, then she kills uh, kills Kang or that yep. Kang. You know, yeah. and then Loki, so he's stuck there in a whole different TVA. That's the other thing. You know, instead of the three timekeepers sitting there in front of the elevators at the Marriott, now there's the single statue of Kang, presumably Kang the Conqueror, although it could be in it. it could Dude, be it's it. totally Kang the Conqueror. He had the yeah. costume. Yeah. He was just missing the helmet. That yeah. is straight I'm, up. And uh, we saw I'm the gonna, colors. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it Kang Conqueror. Right. It's totally Kang the Conqueror. I mean, they already said Nathaniel Richards, which Fun fact: This is this is also a seg into Fantastic Four. Four. Yeah. See, look at that little Easter egg that nobody even knew they wanted, and they got it. They got it. And I know that's not proper English, but I'm okay with it. They got it. They got it. Um, 
Yeah. So it takes place in the 31st century. So we already know it takes place in the future. It also sets up there. We know that uh, he uh, that uh, King or Nathaniel Richards, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan's character is going to be in the quantum verse. So my theory is, and this is me making a conspiracy theory, is this could be one of those segues on how while this is happening in the variants where the multiverses are coming, this could be how Nathaniel Richards character discovers the multiverse because of something that Ant-Man and Wasp do going into the quantum verse. They go into the future. Uh, that's just one little theory. And, and David and I've had like these little conspiracy theory talks because it's also could be the multiverse of madness dealing with Dr. Strange. Um, however, we know he's going to be in this movie. We know there's something happening. We know we got the bad version coming up. Uh, we saw the colors. We saw the purple. We saw the green. Those are Kang's like colors. The only thing we're missing is the blue face. Yep. So it's it's definitely setting up him. I, I I'm I'm willing to put the money down. That is he's going to be the BBEG. I, I think that is safe to say he's the BBEG. I think it's very clear that that's where we're going for uh, uh, for phase four. Like he's going to be the big guy, um, you know. Yeah, probably that, through phase five or six too. Yeah, I mean, potentially. Yeah. Um, how, how many seasons or how many phases? It was three phases for Thanos. Yeah. Yes. Three. So yeah, it, it could be, or they may. Well, could be. I mean, they're they're already setting. Like I said, I, they're setting up the Fantastic Four, and you know who you get the Fantastic Four. You get Silver Surfer and Galactus. Like that is yeah. a no brainer for them to come into play too. And and then they're going to bring in the X Men. I mean, that's yes. th that's on the that's on the docket somehow. So much. Yeah. It, it has to be. I mean, there's too much money not <clears throat> to have X Men. Yeah, they they can't the leave that kind of money on the deck. Otherwise, Feige loses that class. <laughs> well, about and, earlier. Yeah, and <laughs> the. And I mean, and going back to after she stabbed him and everything, Sylvie stabbed him. You saw the timeline split up, and you saw that the time those timelines split. Up. You saw so much splintering; it actually became a giant sphere yeah, of right. just well, pure light. And and then I, I just want you know you were talking about the facial expressions for Jonathan Majors as he's as he's going into that that moment where he realizes that he no longer knows what's going to happen. To look at the to look at so Sylvie's face. Right as she stabs, uh, right as she stabs Kang, yeah. The the there are two things that are going through her mind right then. The first is I have spent my entire life looking for this for this one moment. Now what do I do? And the second thing is what have I done? Done. Yep. Yeah. And then it was, you, it was a you see brilliant her, turn. You, you see her collapse on the floor and she's in tears and. And that's, you know, and then that's the last we see of that character, you know, so that's, a, a, you know, a fine turn of acting on the, on Sophia uh, DiMarteo. I didn't know how many, yeah. I butchered her name, didn't I? Sophia something. Yeah. Um, but that's, where do the characters go from there? But like I said, they're, they're setting up Kang for another 15 movies, 20 movies, however long to get through. Yeah, to get five, through. Phase four, five, and six. Yeah, so the reality of, of filming is this Loki season two isn't happening before the next bunch of movies and TV series come out. So we're not going to know what Sylvie's doing for at least a year, possibly a year and a half. Right. Um, my guess is a closer to a year and a half. So we're not necessarily going to see that. Uh, whether or not we see Hiddleston as Loki and which Loki we see remains another question. 
Um, you know, do we see post-Ragnarok? Did that Loki do the same thing as classic Loki and is hiding out somewhere? Uh, do we see this Loki from the TVA? Uh, and then how does the MCU differentiate between the two? Um, I'm pretty interested and anxious to see what that's going to be like, knowing that I may not have that answer for a year and a half. Um, <laughs> or longer, yeah. depending. I mean, who knows when season two will be? They could literally put it anywhere because the show could be any when. <laughs> By the way, uh, this wasn't mentioned, but uh, I was looking up uh, Sophia's last name and everything, uh, D. Mar- Martino. Uh, Tara Strong did the voice for Miss Minutes. Yes, I knew. That. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, phenomenal actress, phenomenal yes. voice actress. Like th- there's, uh, there's nothing uh, she hasn't touched. Yeah, uh, I think between her and uh, and I, and his name escapes me, the gentleman uh, who does the voice of all the clones on Bad Batch, uh, like they, those two and Wes Welker probably cover every show that we've ever watched. Frank Welker. Frank Welker. Oh, Frank Welker. Sorry. Wes Welker's Wes Wel- retired football player. Yeah, my bad. Go sports. Yo, know, to be fair, my co-host Josh, when he hears this, will absolutely love that moment. Because there is no team I dislike in football worse than the, than the Patriots. And there is no team that Josh loves more than the Patriots. I'm sorry, Where? what state do you live in? I'm from upstate New York. Uh, I live in Connecticut. Uh, You're I, a I, dead I, man walking. I and I'm a Yankees fan too. What? And I, yeah. And uh, I used to live in Maine. Uh, so uh, I used to play semi-pro football. And after that particular part of my life, Josh used to play pickup football for the company we used to work with. Josh and I used to play. Um, whole lot of shenanigans there. But when he had his beard first coming in. Uh, and looking all scruffy, he he played a good West Welker. <laughs> That's fun. Um, and so uh, he will absolutely love the fact that I just made that little Freudian slip. But I am not a Patriots fan. I'm a dead yeah. in the wall. Uh, you know, re- uh, you know, black and gold till I die. Steelers fan. That is me. Uh, Go Ravens, baby. Baltimore Ravens all day. Uh, but you'll love this. Uh, the uh, my my oldest is godfather is the uh nephew of jack lambert nice oh, oh that's so, awesome so that's yeah, pretty that, cool that's that's fun little uh fact right there um so but this is a nerd podcast we don't talk sports here <laughs> um let's go going back to this though uh i don't really think honestly that i don't think there's much more to cover on this because i think we've just glazed over everything is there anything we missed about the show I think we touched it. I just wanted to add there is a yeah, bit go ahead. of, uh, uh, because it's kind of the thing that we do on my podcast, uh, we talk about inclusion and bringing people in to the community. I think between both films, they do a great job. Loki uh, stating, for the, uh, stating for the record uh, that, uh, you know, he is not exclusively looking towards women as romantic partners. Uh, And that's not an issue for him. While that is somewhat canon in comic books, it is not even just there. Yeah. It's it's, it's canon in in, in in actual Norse Norse mythology. mythology. Yeah. He literally turned himself into a horse and made it with another horse and gave birth to a fowl. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So, but I think from an inclusionary standpoint, it's important to note that, 
Marvel continues to do good things in these realms, both with Loki. Um, we didn't get into a lot of it in depth, and I don't know if we necessarily need to, but um, I think Black Widow was a tour de force for women's agency. I think that was the central yes. theme of the movie. It is something that I thought was so very core to the film. Uh, probably the thing they did the absolute best. It was about various characters taking their agency. That's good for all people, not just women. Uh, men need to take agency for their lives, make their own decisions, stand by them, you know, correct the wrongs they've done, and go out and do, do the things that they need to do. That's a good message for people. But the fact that it was specifically women in Black Widow doing that, and, uh, and it, it desexualized them too. Yes, I mean, that, yes, that's the other thing. You know, I, I'd mentioned so true. I'd mentioned before. You know, the, the first Black Widow costumes were just awful, and in this one, they're running around in combat boots and coveralls. You yep. know, and and it's it's hilarious when 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 Yelena and and Natasha are in the car, and Yelena's showing off this vest that she's all proud of, and the thing she says most of, oh, it has all these pockets. <laughs> you know, so many, you know it's. You know what's funny about that is it takes me back to this old Eddie Murphy joke from Eddie Murphy Delirious. Um, <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us way back. And I'm not saying Eddie Murphy is a great spokesperson for inclusion. But there, was some, but there was something in this joke set that he did that is very critical. And I think it's where this actually comes from. He had made the comment that the reason why the character he was talking about wanted a woman who was naked is because if she has clothes, she has pockets, if she has pockets, she wants things. And that's somebody who's I'm not going to be able to control. That was the core <laughs> of the joke. I'm not actually doing the joke. It is not appropriate for 2021. <laughs> uh, but but that was the core of the joke. This was the flip side of that. This was a woman who realized I have these pockets. I'm in charge. I'm taking this. I'm moving forward. It, that it was, was that was very proud. Like, because I listened to that Eddie Murphy joke when I was around 13 or 14, maybe less than that. I probably shouldn't have been listening to the Eddie Murphy <laughs> joke at that time. No, probably not. But that was something that was in my head. And it was in my head as something that can't possibly be a good thing to talk about. Right. Because <laughs> it was something I never said or talked about in mixed company after that point. So I knew inherently that there's something wrong with that. Fast forward 30, 40 years, and here I am listening to the opposite side of that. And now I can go out confidently and say, get those pockets. You know, hashtag girls, get your pockets, because this is where you need to be. You know, that's that. I think that that is so important to talk about when we're talking about mm -hmm. these films and MCU writing the wrongs of their own past, which is very recent not just the past of women characters in film. They're just fixing their own house. Right. You know? 2010. Is that Iron Man 2? Is, was that, how long was that? Yeah. yeah. Like 2009 or 2010, I believe. Like I said, not, not long ago in the grand scheme of things. And, and I think that also goes, this is also the first uh, MCU movie that was directed by a woman. That I don't know. I believe you might be right there, but I'm not 100%. I, you know, I mean, the, the first big tentpole uh, superhero movie that was directed by a woman is Patty Jenkins and the first Wonder Woman. But I think yep. this is yep. the first MCU movie, you know, j just as and just as Ryan Coogler as as a, as a black director of Black Panther brings different things to Black Panther than John Favreau would have done if he had directed Black Panther. Mm -hmm. That. Kate Trillin, would, by the okay, way. Right. OK. Yeah. So you would not have gotten. 
um, Yelena's conversation with yes. uh, with, with, with her stepfather uh, uh, about uterine health uh, and what they did in the Red Room. That was so great. If, if there was any anybody other than a yes. woman directing this film. Yeah. It could not yeah. have come out that no. well in that way. No, it was funny. She's like, we didn't even get into the fallopian tubes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the way she did it with that Russian accent was perfect. Like I'm a- sitting there, I was cringing, and yet I was celebrating all in one. Like it was all of the emotions, all of every last one of them. I was right. angry for her. I was angry about the situation. I was celebrating her taking control, and I was like, "But I still don't want to hear it." And then she was going, and I wanted to say, "Go, girl!" But God, stop! <laughs> all in one motion, and I, it was so much to process all in it all in was- a very short scene. Like I said, there was there was a lot of stuff that I really liked in Black Widow. Again, it's not a bad movie. It really, truly isn't. It's not my favorite. Um, I will say this one last thing on it because we keep we went back to it. I love the fact that they made fun of her pose and how they oh, bashed it awesome. her 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 awesome. landing pose, yeah. and then she does it and she goes. Ugh. Uh, I felt, I felt <laughs> again. That was so great. I love. Florence Pugh. I love her character. I cannot wait to see more She's, of her. Yeah. I, she is going to be such a great Black Widow. Y- your, your cousin was awesome. Your my cousin, cousin was awesome. <laughs> She's not really my cousin. And if she ever says, you know, if she ever gives me permission to call her cl- cousin Florence, I will be so excited. Uh, legitimately. You're her, you're her weird American cousin. I am her weird American cousin. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. 27 times removed, probably, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's uh, all about family. So it's all, <laughs> it's all about family. Welcome to the DNA podcast where we talk about fast and furious family. You just, you just just bring her to a barbecue and serve Corona and you'll be fine. <laughs> right. You're all family then. I would never serve Corona at any barbecue I'm at. I, I am a Stella man. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, no, no. Stella no. and Guinness all day. Uh, so. <laughs> going back to loki let's 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 wrap this up on loki here you two are troubled clearly, together. i can never i can never he's, he's clearly a merlot guy loki is but. oh <laughs> what was he drinking in the no he was what was did they they show him like drinking whiskey or something i know it was like extraterrestrial drink but i think it was actually like a a, a malt spirit or if, was it? if i i don't i didn't quite catch it i didn't know i was i'm not sure he's, but it, if it was clear if it was a clear liquid if he's going with his Norwegian uh, uh, history, it probably would have been Akvit. That would be the Norwegian uh, the Norwegian uh, beverage to shoot, uh, of course. And but, but, I know this because I have some good friends who are Norwegian, and he, I have. But, uh, but he also knows, had some he also knows a single good uh, a good single malt Scotch or a good añejo tequila. I mean, look, yeah. look, he does. And if he's drinking wine, Pinot Grigio. Maybe? Lo- I, I like a good Pinot. No, yeah. more of a Merlot guy myself. I'm not gonna lie. I like my reds. Oh, I have a wine allergy, so I don't drink wine. But whatever. <laughs> I do too. Got you, got you covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so, the hives. Oof. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the DNA podcast, where we talk about wine and alcohol. Tonight, we're talking about a nice Sauvignon Blanc. Today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Overall, I think we all can agree. Loki is a was a great series. I'm excited for season two. 
I think they definitely set up the MC universe for a lot of our conspiracy theories. So get ready, ladies and gentlemen, pull out your, your tinfoil hats. If you already haven't, um, is there any final thoughts you guys have on Loki that we haven't covered? Tom Hiddleston is the man. He's he a God. Is he is literally M-A-N. a God. He is so good. Uh, we, we spoke about other people doing very good facial acting, but some of the looks he gave, uh, especially in the, some of the earlier episodes, going through some of the tragedies of his past or his that particular Loki's future were just amazing. Like, I felt that. They were done with low volume or no volume on him, just facial expressions, um, beautifully directed, uh, exceptionally well acted, exceptionally well scored. Um, again, this is just a show that pulled all the right emotions at all the right story beats. And it's something for the fans to behold. If you like Marvel and you haven't seen this, you don't like Marvel as much as you probably think you do. So fix that by watching this show <laughs> so you can like it as much as the rest of us. <laughs> it's that good. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, one of, we didn't talk about specific episodes, but you know, when it came out, the third episode, the lamentous episode, a lot of people didn't like it. I mean, I, just my faith after that episode came out, because it's the one that where they're on the train and they're trying to they're 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 on the is planet. That the, is that episode four? When, uh, is it episode three? They're on the train or episode four? It's I think it's uh, three. Uh, I but you but either, either way, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's the one where, where they're they're stuck on the planet. Yeah. Where Tempad is is busted or without charge and they're trying to get to that ship and. A lot of the people on my Facebook feed and a lot of people are like, I didn't really like this week's episode. I didn't see the point. The, that episode, just just if when you rewatch it, that's you don't you don't get the payoff, the emotional payoff of the sixth episode where where Sylvie and Loki are fighting. You don't get that emotional payoff without Lamentis. And that was just as an underrated episode that a lot of people didn't like at the time, you know, when you look back on the series, that's where the characters grow. That's where the characters, that's, that's where they go from being, Sylvia is just this, this variant who's blowing up uh, uh, Minutemen. Um, and Loki is, is, at that point, Loki is still trying, he still has it in his head that he is going to get in with the, the, the timekeepers and he's going to take over the TVA. And so in that episode, their relationship changes and the show changes. It, 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 it kind of pivots, yeah. you know, and then at the end of that, they, you know. They, and you're they, right. It is. They think they're about to die. It uh, is episode three, by the way. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think this type of episode was missing from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like yes. they needed an episode between episode four and five or certainly before between five and six like this. So we got that. They tried to half it by putting some of the stuff at the beginning of six or whatever, or the end of five, wherever it fit. Um, But it wasn't enough. Like they missed this Um, and they needed this turn point. I don't think it was necessary for WandaVision. I don't think it needed it. It was already all of those types of things, but um, it was what was missing from Falcon and Winter Soldier. This type of episode or style of episode in Falcon and Winter Soldier elevates that to a whole nother level of greatness. That what few plot holes we have is because we didn't get this for the 
the three big story arcs that were going on. Um, uh, we certainly didn't get it for, for Carly, which needed it. Yes. Um, and we needed her turn and we didn't see it. Um, not enough. I think it was there. I don't know if that was COVID related, why they didn't get it on film or show it to us or what, but it was missing it. And, um, the directors here, the production staff here, the actors here got a chance to give us that piece we needed. And that's why this is a, because otherwise, arguably it's a I, it is arguably a better show just the by construction like as a creative writer as a person who's studied creative writing who's writing content and all of those things this is how you do the job yes um you know i relate to things in falcon and winter soldier I, look i'm talking to you i'm a black man living in in, in the northeast living my life the way i live my life and I relate to Falcon and Winter Soldier better because of Sam Wilson's story and his art than I relate to any of the characters in this. However, as a creative writer, this is a better constructed story. Period. Bar none. Bar none. Right. Yeah, it just it just is. Yes, you you were talking about unearned character turns. Daenerys Targaryen in season eight of Game of Thrones is is a completely unearned character turn. Yep. If they if they had written it better, because I believe that's was George Martin's that is George Martin's original character arc for for Daenerys, yep. the way it the way it ended, that's how it supposed was supposed to go. But yep. they didn't write it well. And Did you see the the fan fiction one where like she's sitting there, before, getting ready to burn the city and everything, and everything's going through her head? Like you see her face like twisting, like they did in the show. But have you ever seen the fan fiction one where they? take all the scenes from everything that's been done to her and to her people and like flash it in her back of her head. They did that in that turn to give her why she did the thing she did, because as she's sitting there staring, they're flashing back all the memories, her getting like starving, her people dying. They did all the slavery, all the, it it peppered it well. Yes. But, but you, but you have to have that. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's Chekhov's pistol, right? Yeah. You, you can't have a character turn without laying the seeds for it to begin with. And then you can't lay the seeds for it and then have no payoff down the road. And it, it pays off well in Loki. And like you were talking about, it needed a little bit, it needed a little bit more in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier. And like you were talking about with WandaVision, WandaVision was kind of its own, its own quirky kind of, kind of show. Um, but, but you're right. The writing was good. The production value was good. It, it had that, it had that retro future, look to it you know the tva that TVA aesthetic was gorgeous. all powerful but then all of their movies are still on on physical film you know Lo- yeah. loki's watching the the video of his life play out and you can see the the lights flicker as the tape goes round and round like yeah it, it, it was honestly it called me back to being uh in in school like third fourth fifth grade on av day and the teachers putting on the reel of uh uh, Rudyard Kipling's The White Seal or, or, or Ricky Ticky Tavi right. and, and they're winding it and then it wouldn't go quite right it would flip the other way it was, it was surreal how, the, the way that called back memories for me um, you know just it was great uh, you know my older son I know he's going to have a memory of seeing tape go like that because mm-hmm. we went to see Beowulf and the film caught fire it was the weirdest thing. We're watching Beowulf in the opening scenes, and then we see the film go a little weird. We see the film melt, and there's literally fire 
being reflected onto the big screen. We look behind us and you can see fire in the projector room. And they're like, all of a sudden, all the lights come on. Everybody's like, one moment, please. There's like staff. Don't worry. We have this fire out. And like 10 minutes later, they have the film out. They're like, oh, we got please tell me it was like somebody. Please tell me it was like some hillbilly dude just looking up at it, just with like a like a CO two thing, just like uh, just goes over. It was no, they were in the projection room, so it was like uh, you had to like go around and not like I don't know, I've never been back there, but it was the craziest thing in the world. But it was weird because like I'm watching Loki doing that, and these are the things that are going through my head. Um, It's wonderful when film can make you call back to real memories, Um, and this is the kind of thing that this show did. It was it was very well done. my one last thing that I will say very briefly is they got to show how nerfed Loki's powers have been. Uh, he was able to do the stuff and Lamantis. And then we got to see old man Loki make a whole city and they even make a comment. It's like, we're a lot more powerful than we realize. Huh? And it was, it was, it was fun. It was funny. It was neat. Uh, again, I think the show was very well done. Very much uh, love the series. Cannot wait for series two. Our season two, and I cannot wait to see what happens with Kang. I cannot wait to see what goes on in the MCU. I think great things are coming our way. Every part of the MCU, when viewed through the lens of this is a chapter in a fantastic tale, will always be good because there's always going to be nuggets of gold. Yep. Whether that chapter is the subparagraphs that are an individual episode of the series or one single movie which had its challenges and flaws, but was still fun to watch. Um, they are chapters in this grand story that any one of these chapters taken out, the story diminishes. And that's what I really love about the MCU. Right. Yeah. It, and it, they become essential. And, and on one level, the movies are unessential because you know that it's not a mo- just its own movie. It's a, it's a point on the map. But at the same time, you always, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And, and, I'll, just to show you how conditioned we all are, right? So I'm in the movie. I'm I saw Black Widow in a movie theater. So I go to a movie theater, and even though it's oh, it's twenty percent full, the, the the show that I went to, the movie ends, the credits start rolling. Do you want to guess how many people got up to leave? Two, one. Actually, actually, three people got up and two of them walked down to the front because they didn't want to get caught in the rush to get out. And one looked looked like she was the mother in this family who really didn't care. She went because it was movie night and then she had to get up and go pee because she just sat through a two and a half hour movie. But everyone else stayed in their seats. Bladders full. Bladder, yeah, bladder uh, full. Yes, the struggle because, is real now, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Oh yeah, because because everybody got the big gulp of the oversalted <laughs> oversalted popcorn, but everybody sat through, you know, waiting for that mid credit scene which never materialized, and then suddenly the credits end. No animals were, you know, you know how it's going to end when it's no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Okay, what's next? Boom, there's the scene. Three people had gotten out of their seats, but only one had left the theater. Marvel has us conditioned. Yeah, they, they, they have trained us. Yeah, they absolutely have because I think there's been what maybe one Marvel thing that has not had end credit scenes. Maybe one. I don't think there have been any. No. I thought this, there was how, one. Well, this is this is the first, by the way, the first in of many, unfortunately, movie, but on by Marvel that does not have Stanley in it. Let's mm. that's in that that's a that's a tough pill to swallow right there. But yet yeah, this was the first. Oh. Wow. I yeah. hadn't even thought about that. 
Isn't that's yeah, no, drop some real on you right there. That was in uh, perspective, ladies and gentlemen. We've uh, yeah. those as are we end the show, I'm gonna end it on a sad like, note. Yeah, here. Like, no, no let's Stan end this, Lee. Let's end this on a celebratory note. <laughs> Stan Lee may not have appeared in this film, but he is all over this film, right? He is all the, yeah, over the, the universe MCU. he created or helped create because there are a lot of people involved. But the universe that he has steered and shepherded for many, many, many years. And championed. And championed. Long past the point in time he was getting significant remuneration for it. Right? Um, Long beyond the point in time where he was a paid member of that team. You know, Stan Lee, uh, his universe continues. We're on a podcast talking to hopefully thousands and soon to be millions I love you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm I'm here for you, Steve. Right? I see that. Um, but we all in are, Ireland and New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, uh, and Australia, and UK, and Germany. Now there you go. There you go. Yeah, we're getting. Um, hey, look, I'm slowly. Yeah, we are here talking about this thing that this guy scribbled out on some nice paper with some cool pencils in an office sixty plus years ago. He's all over this universe. And and his core concepts uh, about what made the MCU and what makes these characters tick is all over this. You know, for all the differences, the core of each of the characters he actually created does remain the same. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's a legacy we can all hope to have someday. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Lee where can people find you? You can find myself and my two co-hosts, Glenn and Josh, at ttjourneys.com. We can be found on Twitter at ttjourneys. And we have a Facebook group, which is Tabletop Journeys. Uh, We love talking to viewers. We have emails. We are active. We have an actual play once a week or once every other week. We do uh, two episodes a week. Uh, we are actually on a bit of a vacation right now. We're a, a recording vacation. We're still airing content, uh, however, uh, and we are back in August full swing uh, with uh, a whole bunch of great episodes talking about the tabletop games that we love. D&D 5e is chief in our minds right now, but we have some really cool things coming up. Uh, we've got some actual plays with some new Kickstarter games that have recently come out. Uh, we have plans to do an Aliens uh ap coming up which we're very excited about uh which i didn't I'm... know we were talking about that yet Ooh. spoiler alert oh, spoilers i didn't know josh that gave the go ahead to talk about that oh you're fired you can't fire me <laughs> i'm on the paperwork baby <laughs> <laughs> no oh uh, by the t- yeah so we've got a lot of good things uh, our APs are expanding beyond just what we do for D&D games. We're going to start getting into our other tabletop games. It was important for us to really focus on 5e and the number one role-playing game to start with, but it was always our vision to talk about the other games that we play as well. Um, so we've got a bunch of uh, irons in the fire uh, as we expand in, in the second half of our first year doing this thing. So That's awesome. Uh, David, you guys got anything since like last week? Anything's changed? I don't think anything's so just no, really Dragon Con. Last time. Uh, nope. We're, just, right. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're gearing up for, uh, you know, uh, our clubs are are, are posting uh, an in, in, in event uh, 
event pictures and recaps of, of stuff that the clubs are doing, whether it's uh, charity uh, marath half marathons or walks or whatever. Uh, a lot of events are starting to come back in person. Yeah. Again, with various degrees of, uh, of social distance and limited attendance. Um, uh, and as I mentioned before, Dragon Con is, is the, the next thing that I have coming up. And I will send you a picture from the, from the atrium of the Marriott uh, where, where the TVA is headquartered. Please and thank you. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead. And you should do that with a bottle of prune Whoa. juice. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. I think every Loki variant at Dragon Con needs to have a bottle of prune juice. Well, I, I have already asked when the, because the other thing that they do at Dragon Con is everybody, every club or every fandom has a meetup or people just spontaneously get together. So at some point there is going to be a meetup of Loki variants, just like there is Deadpool's. Like I will the, be shocked if it's not this one. I will be oh, thoroughly oh, shocked. There are going to be Lokis all over this thing again, because as long as you have a, a t-shirt that says variant or a jacket that has variant and a pair of the horns, who cares? So... <laughs> So uh, this this event is going to be overrun. If it had happened last year, like The Witcher would have been all over the place, uh, but you know COVID. Uh, so this year, I think I think Loki is going to be one of those characters that appears everywhere. But I will send you a picture from the uh, from the atrium of the Marriott uh, awesome. of all of us. Okay. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are listening to us on Audible and Apple, please remember to rate and review. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, so please like and follow us at DNA Pod and on Twitter at NerdDNAPod, as well as on Twitch at NerdDNAPodcast. And as the late and great Stan Lee once said, I think the best way to end this show is by saying Excelsior. Thank you and good night.